today on Ag News Daily. And then they wanted some younger farmers that were always trying new things, looking ahead. And I don't know where at in BASF that uh, search was circling around, but Jordan said, well, I have this couple in Nebraska that's excited about this product and excited for the future. Like, you should have them come talk. Good morning, November 9th. 2022 here on the Adam New podcast sponsored today by BASF, helping farmers do the biggest job on earth. Tanner, we are post elections now. Are you happy about that? No more ads for a while. Post elections and WASD day. So yes, big, big day That's in right. the ag sector. That's right. And it is definitely a big day for the ag sector, Tanner, because although we did not see a sweeping red wave from elections, we did see both the House and the Senate secured by the Republican Party, which should be fairly favorable for the farm bill as we get things kicked off there. Yeah, definitely less headwinds to battle against. Uh, it was not, like you said, as sweeping as those in uh, favor of that had hoped, but certainly got to a point where we should meet less resistance. Absolutely, Tanner. But uh, also, I haven't checked out too many gubernatorial elections, but I think that this might have been one of the largest waves of red for governors as well. That's a good question. I had not paid attention to very many of those. Uh, I do know that Arkansas got their first female governor, which was also in that direction. So congratulations to them, Iowa had reelected Governor Kim Reynolds. So another, I think, positive movement for years for the state of Iowa and focus on a lot of policies here that have been continuing to progress forward. And of course, if we get a COVID flare up again, a couple of states there that had some strong leadership during those time periods retained their office positions. Absolutely. But like you said, it's also a WASD day, Tanner. Let's hop into that maybe right before we touch on markets. We can save that. I will hit more updates here this morning on Nicole as she is headed to Florida. We're less than 24 hours from predicted landfall. It is already causing deteriorating conditions and water is rising in Florida. Two of the Florida airports have shut down for the day. Tropical Storm Nicole, so not considered a hurricane at this point, is still teetering on the brink of hurricane status Wednesday morning. Winds were getting close to 70 miles per hour, turning ever closer to that Florida coastline. Conditions, like I said, are deteriorating and evacuations are being ordered. The blow to Florida's Atlantic coastline will just be the first act of the large, fast-moving storm. So hurricanes are typically more tighter-wrapped. This tropical storm is now making a really large sweep. Should sweep, uh, should hit main shore between West Palm Beach and Melbourne, and then quickly sweep towards Tampa, likely enter the Gulf of Mexico, and make a second landfall along Florida's Big Bend and work its way up the eastern coast, as we had talked about, making substantial heavily rainfall all the way between Florida and Canada. The hurricane warning now spans near Boca Raton all the way up through Daytona Beach, including Palm Beach and Port St. Lucie. So big issues there coming again, potential life-threatening storm surges, but a storm that we 
do not wish upon our friends in Florida as they are just battling to clean up from the last one. Well, Tanner, switching tracks here, of course, COP27 is going on this week in Egypt to discuss global climate change. And China has, on the heels of that, announced new plans to curb rising methane emissions. But lots of challenges will be in store for them as they tackle that. They've trapped a new plan to control methane and promote new technologies and financing mechanisms to slash rising emissions of greenhouse gases, they said, according to the country's top climate officials. They announced it during climate talks in Egypt yesterday, Tuesday afternoon, and said that they really are aiming to reduce methane emissions to help try and lower global temperatures. Taylor, they haven't really announced how they're planning to go about do that, doing that aside from implementing new technology that could help with that. And we don't have a goal yet in mind as far as how much they intend to reduce methane emissions by, but they are, I believe, the world's largest methane emissions in the world. Wow. Yeah, that would be interesting to see if they can release some targets and then how they measure up against their predictions. I know the global warming topic has been one of great discussion during the election season, And methane gas being a contributor to that is certainly one of the focuses. One more piece of weather news before I get into other topics. Winter storms are looking to rumble through the northern plains headed right at the Dakotas starting tonight at 6 p.m. They are in a blizzard warning that will run through midnight on Thursday. Snow accumulations are forecasted between 5 and 10 inches of snow with about a tenth of an inch of ice buildup. So we could be looking at power outages in those areas. Wind gusts up to 45 miles per hour, making the feel-like temperature drop to minus 20 degrees. That feels kind of weird, Delaney, since we're sitting here in central Iowa right now at a balmy 68 degrees. We certainly have uh, heard from our listeners. It looks like in Kansas, they are still extremely dry. I had a listener send me a picture and uh, of things blowing around their yard because they've got some very high gusts up to 60 miles per hour. And then also out west into Montana, already snow in those portions of the area. So weather continues, Delaney, to be just a little bit of a pain. And we hope that it doesn't continue to affect the fertilizer market. Only one of the significant nitrogen sources for fertilizer was up or down significantly. So prices are coming out pretty standard. I know you reported on this Last month, Delaney, we're still looking at decent prices uh, considered for DAP and MAP. As far as potash and urea go, those were basically unchanged, sitting at that $857 and $826 per ton. Your anhydrous has an average price of $1,426 a ton back up from middle of the growing year. UAN both 28 and 32% sitting at 583 a ton and 680 a ton as average prices. And it doesn't seem like right now, Delay, we're looking at any supply shortages. So as weather hopefully cooperates with our growers, if they take a fall application as part of their process, they should be able to get those projects completed. And Tanner, we certainly won't be seeing any shortage of soybeans anytime soon. Brazil just released estimates today that they are planning to produce a record 153.5 million metric tons of soybeans this year, up 1.2 million metric tons from their prior forecast, according to CONAP. This is the largest 
record of soybeans expected for their growing season that they've ever produced. And this uh, certainly will be a large amount of soybeans that they will be producing, Tanner. However, it's very early in the season, as we know, they're just now getting things online here. So could be a while till we see if these yields are realized. But nonetheless, uh, certainly good news probably for China, who's looking to do business elsewhere outside of the United States. Right. The plan is for more beans. That's correct. Now we'll see if they take on and execute that plan. Let's pause here for a quick message. Crop disease is present weeks before it can be seen by the naked eye, which means the wait and see spray approach you've always been taking when scouting your fields is waiting too long. But Veltima, fungicide's proven health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility improves yield potential even in the absence of disease. Every bushel counts, so make sure you get everything you deserve this season with Veltima fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Delaney, when we look at corn, Iowa was having a little bit of a phenomenon this year that expanded a little bit into Illinois, but researchers are trying to get to the bottom of why outer rows of the cornfields had significantly less yields. Mother Nature routinely gives growers challenges from weeds, insects, and disease. But what about now the edge effect? I don't know if you've heard that discussed, Delaney, but the term implies here that fields are affected around their borders, seeing a significant yield difference between their outer rows and the ones that are interior rows on their cornfields. Rod Pierce was reporting on this. He said in one field, they yield yielded zero with the first pass of the combine on the first out for outer four rows in Boone County, Iowa. And in another field, they recorded 150 bushels of corn Another pass, 150 bushels, just four rows in. That first pass of the combine in the outer rows was demonstrating this on multiple other farms, as told by Megan Anderson of Iowa State University Extension Office. It's been remarkably a lot different this year, she said, up to the outer 12 rows of these fields, looking at distress caused from high heat, high winds, a combination of those effects, along with pests, could be to blame, but they will be focusing that Iowa State University Extension Office and research facilities will be focusing on studying the edge effect to see if it is a combination of microclimate issues or if this is something that will begin to spread more widely throughout the Corn Belt. So they're looking at a lot of factors, Delaney, everything from weather to insects to traits in seed, and we'll see if we can get some uh, input from our scientists here locally as to maybe a solution to reduce the edge effect loss for the next growing season. Then I got to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard of the edge effect until now. You'll have to check with your husband to see if he noticed on his yield maps, the outer rows yielding less than that of the rest of his field. Yeah, he'll definitely nerd out on that one. So I'll be sure to ask him that later today, Tanner. But um, I've certainly been nerding out on keeping up to date with the Russia-Ukraine situation. And we've got some fresh news today that we could see some interesting bedfellows as Russian security officials visited Iran and have pushed now to deepen their ties with Iran amidst the ongoing conflict with Ukraine. They met with Iranian leaders in Tehran on Wednesday, and the two countries made a very public statement, Tanner, that they have pledged to have closer ties 
Due to the face of Western pressure and sanctions over Russia during the Ukrainian war, they specifically pledged to align deeper on energy, transportation, agriculture, trade, and banking sectors, Tanner. I had seen a lot of headlines around that of exchanging of cash and weapons and plans and strategic support. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which other countries shake out of those headlines as well. Well, last piece of news I have today comes from the Iowa Farmer Today coming out of Kansas State University Swine Nutrition Students are conducting research that will focus on the potential alternatives to add zinc oxide, a common ingredient in the diets of weaned pigs, to other portions of their diet. So they're taking a look at the pharmacological levels of zinc and zinc oxide in the animal's health system during the most vulnerable days. So obviously the uh, period of time between birth and wean in a pig is very short. They want to know that, or they do already know that their stomach lining is not fully developed. So if they can work with the zinc oxide side of their diets to potentially create a healthy gut for these animals, we could continue to boost production in the swine world. So just a high-level headline there, more research coming out of Kansas State University focused on the swine industry and gut health of pigs between birth and weaned age. So if you want to look up more of that, you can find that article on Iowa Farmer Today. But that's what I've got for news today, Delaney. Well, Tanner, then let's dive into the YC report for today. November is typically not a report where we see huge adjustments in numbers, and today was certainly no different, Tanner. However, we did see today that yields did actually increase on the corn balance sheet as well as soybeans. And so a lot of traders are suggesting that this is no longer a small crop getting smaller. And as we start to see final yield numbers come out of the field, we could continue to see that maybe adjusted a little bit higher tanner here as we move forward. But big headlines today, although it came in line with trade expectations, we did see the corn yield for November's WASD report increased to a 172.3. That's up from 171.9 bushels from the November, excuse me, from the October report. Soybean yield also increased this month to a 50.2 tanner, up just four tenths of a bushel after a 49.8 came in during the October report. Soybean ending stocks were raised just slightly as well as production numbers, obviously on a little bit higher yield there, as well as corn ending stocks and corn production numbers were increased just slightly tanner. And following the release of the report, we saw an immediate negative reaction trading lower, but we have since recovered tanner here at the midday. New crop corn is up about two and a half cents on the morning at 6.69 and three quarters. January soybeans up six and three quarters cents at 14.53. They've really recovered nicely right after the report. They were down about four to six cents across the board. So certainly have flipped things around quickly. Hard red to December wheat down nine and a half cents at 9.36 and a quarter. And livestock here at the midday tanner are trading mostly lower. December live cattle down a dollar 22 and a half at a buck 51.82. January feeders are up 10 cents on the day at a dollar 80. And December lean hogs down about 40 cents here at the midday at 85.17 and a half. Tanner, let's kick it over to today's interview sponsored by BASF with Jenna and Levi Auctioner. 
And here's a quick message from them. HPPD resistant weeds are on the rise and marching toward a field near you, but your cornfield doesn't need to be a battlefield. There's another way to defeat those weeds. Switch tactics with Verdict herbicide powered by Kixor herbicide technology. As non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide, it helps break resistance before the battle gets to your field. Help stop HPPD resistant weeds with Verdict herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow your label directions. Well, we are joined by Jenna and Levi Oxner today, BASF customers, farmers. You guys have a lot going on there in Sutton, Nebraska, or near Sutton, Nebraska, I should say. But Jenna and Levi, thank you both so much for joining us today. Yes, thanks for thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. Absolutely. So you guys are both on the call today. We're bo- excited to have both of you because it's not often we get to have a husband and wife farm combo, uh, but you're sitting in different areas. So you won't be able to watch each other as you're giving these answers. Um, certainly appreciate your time. And I know Levi, you are sitting in the cab right now working through harvest. How are things looking? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we are currently in corn harvest right now and uh, things are looking great. Um, we did end up with a little storm damage um, this year, some hail and wind. Um but every acre of corn has been sprayed with Valtima and all the beans with Revitech. Uh, we're really seeing the fungicide shine this year. Uh, just that extra protection with that, you know, with a crippled crop, it really stands out even more to where, uh, you know, the disease had a window to get in and uh, Valtima shut it down nicely and, kept the crop healthy and everything's staying in really good and uh, yields are surpassing our expectations. I think it's funny that Levi said we had a little wind and hail damage. We had insane damage. We had 135 mile per hour winds. There was multiple storms that had tornadoes. We have some fields that we claimed like a 40% hail loss on. So it wasn't just like a little wind here. Like there was insane damage. So to say that we're happy with the yields that we're getting, I feel like it's kind of an understatement. Like we feel so blessed that we're able to harvest a crop that will still turn a profit after the season of insane storms that we had. Well, Delaney, I think that sets up perspectives as we look all across our listener base, how everybody can view a situation on a different side. It's great that you guys are able to get out in the field and do what you love. What for our listeners does the farm family look like? Is this a multi-generation farmer or how's that been? Jenna, why don't you start off with an answer there? Yeah. So Levi is the fifth generation to farms. So some of the same ground we, him and I actually live and are raising our children on the original homestead that Levi's ancestors settled on when they immigrated from Germany. So the ag roots run deep in this family and we still farm very closely with Levi's parents. And our kids are with us almost every day. So grandpa sometimes comes back during times of the year. So there's actually times of the year where there's four generations working together, but there's definitely always two generations working together right now. I'm sure that's fun, but probably also presents some challenges. How do you guys go about uh, working through that many different generations on the farm? You know, it definitely, it is fun and it's something that we're very thankful for, but it isn't easy. I feel like Levi's always worked very hard to have a really good relationship with his parents. And then 
we tried to keep that the same when I married into the family and we live very close to each other. They're very involved with our lives and our kids' lives. And we just try to very openly communicate with each other. Um, it hasn't been easy. We've had sometimes there's harvest where people are tired and stressed. And then we just kind of have to check ourselves like, okay, we know everybody's tired and stressed. We need to keep communicating. Like we're going to get through this hard season. We just have to keep communicating and making sure that everybody's on the same page so that there's no room left for assumptions to be made by either party. So Levi, is the relationship with BASF something that was also passed down from generation to generation? Yes. Um, we've always, you know, I've been taught since day one from dad and grandpa both that, you know, we want quality products. You know, when I go applications are of anything, it's not cheap. And when I go out, into the field, I need to know that things are going to work. And I can honestly stand here and say that, you know, multi-generation BSF has never let us down, even back from Headline Amp. I mean, that was some of the best stuff on the market at the time. And Headline Amp is still a great product. It's just, you know, they with the technology, the Valtima, they've added to it, and they've made Headline better. So when we go out there, we need to know that what we're doing is going to work and not only work, but it's going to be the best. and It's going to maximize bushels in the bin. So tell us a little bit about this year's uh, agronomic lineup, Levi. What did you guys run? I know some of the issues you can obviously prevent like tornadoes and hail damage, but hopefully some of the other weather issues you face this year, you plan to head for. So every year we, we put an extensive, uh, corn test plot out every year and so we select hybrids you know what works best on our farm with the practices that we are currently using because you know everybody farms a little different so I think it's really important for a farmer to to you know try and trial things and the way you are farming and uh, you know we also try like different pre's and you know post applications of of uh, herbicides along with fungicides I've done extensive testing of fungicides and uh between me and you Valtima's won hands down every time and uh so with that um all of our acres were sprayed with Valtima um with a lot of uh outlook verdict we're really happy with uh I love verdict for the fact that it's just so safe on the you know as a pre you really got to be careful um with different pre applications of the you know you got to remember that corn has to grow through that, you know, herbicide you're putting out there. So it needs to be very crop safe. And I mean, verdict, you can spray that on your sweet corn. I mean, it's, uh, it's as safe as a product you're going to get. The corn comes, comes flying right through. It's like it's not even out there. You're holding the weed pressure down. Um, just to, just, I can't, I can't say enough about how, how good and safe and how, how good all the BSF products work for us. And I think, too, something I've always admired about Levi as a farmer when it comes to doing test plots and different things, he never goes all in on something. Like, every product we use on our field, whether it's an herbicide, a fungicide, a nitrogen product, or a seed variety itself, it has to earn every acre. So we always test it small, collect the data, and if it shows that it will give us a return on our investment, then we'll slowly start scaling it through more of our acres. So we never... I feel like Levi's been very conservative in that testing and making sure that whatever we're putting on the field is going to work before we go all in on something. So Jenna, it sounds like Levi also gets some guidance from representatives at BASF. Can you share a little perspective as to how that team works with you guys? 
Yes, absolutely. Our BASS rep has actually become one of our really good friends. We've had him and his wife over for dinner, and we've traveled to different uh, national conferences with them. But Jordan Moody's his name, and he's always made it very much a team, kind of like you said, included Levi and I in on like the education of the products and helping us trial it and then helping us both see the data and everything at the end of the season after we trial different things. It's very much a team. I've always kind of said, you can't farm alone. I've kind of had a theme on my social media this year that it takes a village. Like farmers have so many other people that we rely on to get a successful productive crop and good reps from companies are definitely a huge part of that village. And our BASF rep is a part of that village. And like I said, has become a very good friend of ours. So I think this is always a question that I ponder when we think about creating relationships with people like lenders, Tanner, you're a banker. So I'm sure maybe you get this on the flip side, but bankers, retailers, et cetera. It's all, I always wonder, like, do you adopt the partnerships and relationships that your parents cultivated. And, you know, as we see more young people getting back into the business of agriculture, not just farming, you know, there's new people to build relationships with. So do you guys work with the same rep that your, your parents work with, or how did you go about building that new relationship? Cause I feel like it's hard to find the right person that you have as a trusted advisor, but when you find that right person, it's like right on the money. Go. Yeah. hundred percent. So Actually, Jordan was fairly new when I came back to start farming. So it was kind of, it actually really, really worked well. Um, I was kind of back full-time farming, and he was in his first several years. We're close to the same age, so um, we kind of just hit the ground running together. And uh, it really made the relationship, you know, we had a lot in common. You know, we're in the same part, you know, same walk of life. But in, also, Jordan, Jordan has done well. I've watched his relationship uh, you know, go well with, you know, the older farmers, everybody. He, he's the type of guy that gets along with everybody. I've never met a BASF rep or a person that has not been friendly. The people have been all, all have been so friendly and great to work with. You really just get the feeling that their whole mission and goal is for you. I mean, I've never felt like a company that works for you more than the race relationship than in the vibe that you get from any BASF employee. Like, you just really feel like they're out here to make you successful. And when a company puts that first, it's just, you know, good things are going to happen. And Jordan has definitely proved that when, um, oh, it's been a few years, though, but the ASF was putting on a panel of farmers that had trialed this these new fungicides before they were fully on the market. And they wanted the some farmers that had used it to kind of speak to our experiences with it. And they wanted somebody on the panel. There was some other farmers that have some um, of like the high yield records in, in the world. And then they wanted some younger farmers that were always trying new things, looking ahead. And I don't know where at in BASF that uh, search was circling around, but Jordan said, well, I have this couple in Nebraska that's excited about this product and excited for the future like you should have them come talk so we went and talked on a panel and met more people from BASF and the our village and family kind of grew but it was just really cool that was kind of a turning point for us in um, our farming career to have like somebody believe in us like that and like prove that they are paying attention and that it's more than just selling us a product it's very much like helping us succeed. That sounds like a really great relationship. Guys, we really appreciate you taking the time out of a busy harvest season 
to share your story with us. But Jenna, it also sounds like you share your story on social media. So if our listeners want to find you, what's the best way that they can look you guys up and follow along? Yes, absolutely. I do share a lot of our day-to-day farm life on Instagrams where I mainly share some of it flows over to Facebook. I have a, a YouTube channel I don't post frequently on because it's hard to keep up with kids and edit YouTube videos. But if they want to follow along with what we're doing, Instagram, and it's just my name at Jenna Auctioner is definitely the place to find us. Awesome. Well, Jenna and Levi, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We certainly hope you guys have a safe and happy harvest the rest of the year. I know you guys mentioned earlier, you're already dealing with some weather issues and some uh, potential safety issues. So really got to stay safe out there this year. Thank you guys so much for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. We really appreciate it that uh, just uh, we'll we'll keep we'll be as safe as we can and we'll keep keep on keeping on. So. Well, good conversation there, Tanner, with Levi and Jenna and I. We recorded that a week or so ago, so I'm guessing by now, hopefully, they're about wrapped up with harvest. Yeah, that was a, another good conversation. It's fun to be a part of these. But listeners, if you've got any people you want us to talk to or topics you want us to get to the bottom of, reach out on our social media channels, find A&D, wherever you can sur- consume your information. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you want to hear. But for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.